0: It is good to see you this morning, good to be back. Um, I was talking with Tim on the way up here, kind of about what we were going to talk about this morning, and Christmas is coming. Have y'all noticed? I mean, it's like next week, and uh, so Christmas is coming, kids are ready, and uh, what I want to kind of look at a few things is, is we're going to start out talking about about the cost, Um It's interesting that sometimes cost matters and sometimes it doesn't, right? Uh, Raise your hand, ladies, if you've ever needed a new vacuum cleaner and your husband wouldn't buy you one. Let's be honest, only two of you. Wow, guys, y'all doing a pretty good job. Uh, But the way that usually works is, is the vacuum stays broken until the husband's gotta actually vacuum up something and gets frustrated with it and we get a new vacuum cleaner. It didn't work that way in my house. Uh, We had a vacuum cleaner that got busted and I just figured we could use it for a while, right? I mean, that's, we wanna be good stewards of what God gave us, right? (laughs) And there were some problems with it. And I remember out behind my house, I've got a workshop and uh, I was out in my workshop and my wife was in the house doing some spring cleaning early in the summer. We were on quarantine, everybody was on quarantine back early summer and we aren't going anywhere anyway. So we just took an opportunity. Well, I was coming in from my shop and I could see the back door and the back porch right in my full view and the back door open and out comes the vacuum cleaner and the door shut. <laughs> I knew we were getting a new vacuum cleaner. <laughs> so I went into my wife and I didn't say anything other than, are you going to get it or am I? <laughs> and at that point in time, the cost of the vacuum cleaner did not matter. We were getting a new vacuum cleaner and it was going to be the one she wanted. In certain situations, the cost is irrelevant. But this morning, I want to talk to you a little bit. As I titled this message, I told you last week, I want to take a look at Christmas through the eyes of Calvary. Because in this instance, the cost does matter. Back in 2019, Gallup uh, did a. The Gallup did a poll. This is this blew my this blew my mind away. Y'all, y'all got y'all ready for some statistics. Y'all love statistics. Me neither, but we're going to listen to them anyway. In 2019, before the pandemic, according to Gallup, ev- the average American family get your head wrapped around this. The average American family planned to spend one thousand fifty dollars on Christmas. The uh, the average. There'll be some that'll spend a lot more, some that'll spend a lot less. The older I get, the less I want to spend. Y'all, am I the only? I'm the only one. Okay. Uh, The older, the more kids. We have seven children. I like an apple and a a, you know walnut. That was that's great. and That's great for when you got a bunch of kids. But uh, so the older I get, the less I, I want. But if you do the math. On $1,050, let me just give it to you. There's estimated as of this poll, 382,200,000 people in the United States of America. That's a lot of of people. If every family had an average of 3.14 people. Now remember that $1,050 is an average not per family, but what they will spend per person. I didn't tell you that part, did I? (laughs) I read that and I'm like, not in my house new 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 no but when you do that math the cost of christmas last year given the averages 401 billion 301 million dollars spent on christmas by average in the united states of america that's a lot of money this morning I want to talk to you a little bit differently, because when I look at that, I think, man, we've wasted a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of resources on stuff that's going to break. I mean, because you know how Christmas toys are. They're going to break by Christmas evening, about half the time. Or we get it. Y'all get into this with your family, your extended family, where you go to some family and everybody's got to bring a little gift. But we're all so wealthy because of where we live, honestly, I mean, the, the, the lowest of the low in the United States of America is above the highest of the high in a lot of places. Right. I mean, we're in the top half percent of wage earners if you're at the poverty line in America. But you ever go to those Christmas gatherings and you got to bring a little something-something? And you're going, I don't know what to get them. They've got everything. Oh, I'll get them a video. Well, they already bought that video game. Well, I'll get them a vi- Well, you know, he went and bought that for himself last week. And it's hard. So you wind up getting these little things like reindeer coffee cups with the broken handle that you'll never use again. <laughs> oh, I see, I'm the only one that gets those presents. But y'all know what I'm talking about. We waste things. But this morning, I want to take a little bit of a different look at Christmas. And instead of looking at it from the back end, from the front end, I guess I should say, looking at the, at the birth, I want to fast forward and look at the birth of Jesus backwards from the cross. Because this morning, I want to talk to you about the most expensive free gift you'll ever get. Everybody talks about salvation. The gift of Jesus is a free gift. Freely he's given and freely you can receive. Is that right? That is right. That is the truth. But just because it's free for you to take doesn't mean that it didn't cost anything. And I I love what Brandon said this morning. I want us in this Christmas season to not just about the birth but I want us to think about the birth of Jesus in the context of why the birth of Jesus even took place come on. because he didn't just come to have good times he came to do something he came to bring this story of love and of peace that he could freely give but just because the gift is freely given doesn't mean that it didn't cost anything now I'm going to See, right up front, I'm going to give a shout-out to the tech crew because I got probably, what, 50 slides this morning. I mean, I got scriptures all over the place. So if you're a note-taker, what do I always say? Just something to write with, something to write on, and you might not catch them all, but you can write them down and catch them later and be like a Berean and go and check it out for yourself. But the first thing I want to tell you this morning, that this Christmas, the birth of Jesus, the very first thing it cost him was his position. See, when Jesus came, he came as a little baby. Now, I don't want to be, I'm not going to be crude. We got kids in the room this morning, but I want you to think about this in your mind's eye this morning. Guys, that meant he was human. The God, the creator God of the universe, who according to John chapter 1, we see in Genesis chapter 1, ex nihilo, out of nothing, he spoke and the sun happened. Come on. The, Jesus Spoke, and the spirit of God said it moved across the face of the waters. And we know in, in John chapter 1 that it was through Jesus that the worlds were created. And Hebrews would tell us that the worlds are framed by the word. The very word of God, Jesus, is the word. That being had to have his diaper changed. That being had to be fed. He, his incarnation In his incarnation, he, he stepped down from this exalted position. And came as a baby. But he didn't do it just so we could have Christmas time and uh, ham and dressing. would or, or y'all have turkey or ham? Yeah. All right, let's just do it. Who has turkey? Raise your hand. Let's just do this. I'm so disappointed. How many of y'all have ham? Y'all are right with the Lord. The invitation will be there for the turkey dwellers later. And we'll we'll talk about that. You get them, buddy. But what I find interesting in his advent is that Jesus did not come as the supreme ruler of everything that he was. He came as this little baby. And I want you to think about something you may not have ever thought about. When you think about what it cost, Jesus, we always say this, um, that uh, Jesus bore the the weight and the, paid the penalty of sin, right? That, that's what we teach, right? Yes. What do you immediately think of? Somebody shout it back to me when you say Jesus carried the weight of The penalty of sin in his body. What do you think of immediately? Huh? The whipping. whipping, What else? The cross. cross. And I would say you're right, but. What's interesting to me is from the day Jesus was born. Even though he was not sinful. He carried the weight in his body. As though he had. Because he was as mortal as you and I, at the same time, he was God. The theologians will call that the hypostatic union, where he's 100% God and 100% man. And so somehow, in God's divine wisdom, he walked around and he still got hungry. His body aged. He had to go to the bathroom. He had, he. the Bible says that he was, he was uh, tempted with everything that we could be tempted with. He was human. And so it Cost him his position. And we also know that he carried in his body the mortality of sin, even though he had not sinned, because they were able to kill him for a short time. Because he let them. He come down from his position. The second thing that it cost him, and I'm gonna have to, to really jump through some of these this morning, is it cost him his possession. Second Corinthians, if you're a writer downer and you want to look it up later, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9, the Bible says. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he was rich, and for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. You know the way that, how do y'all gauge gifts at Christmas? Uh, by the way, when I ask questions, I expect, I mean I don't expect like, you better end said it's okay to answer. Uh, that's I love interaction with people. Do y'all like store-bought gifts or homemade gifts? Yes. yes. Brandon says both, whatever. Yeah. Gift cards. I like homemade gift cards. That's what I That's like. So. <laughs> when I was younger, guys, when I was y'all age, I liked stuff. I, I'm a tech guy. I love gadgets. If you want to make my day, get me a gadget. I don't even care what kind. I just want gadgets. I don't even care if it's useful, to be real honest with you. I just like gadgets. But the older I get, as my kids have grown up and some of them have left the house and the rest of them are on their way, praise the Lord. They're, they're coming. When they make me something from their heart, guys, can I, teenagers out here looking at me, y'all want to do something really cool for your parents? This is not, this is not kitschy. This is not, I'm serious. You make their gift. Spend the year making their gift. If they like to fish, make them a lure. It could be ugly, and it won't even have to work. They won't care. They'll fish with it. I'm serious. It'll it work. will make it'll probably work, yeah. It if you know how to fish. But uh do that I, my daughter a few years ago, she's married now, made me a little book just from her to me of little encouraging things and things that she loved about me. Well, and I love being told how awesome I am anyway. Woo! But right? But she had pages in there that are sealed and she said only open this if you're sad. Only open this one if you have this or that. I still got some of the sections I haven't opened yet because I don't. I don't want to ruin it. Right? <laughs> she gave that to me, and I bawled like a baby. I mean, she's my she's my daughter. She's my baby girl. I got, we got a bunch of boys running around the house, and it's different with daddies and daughters. But it meant something to me because she gave something up of herself. And I look in Second Corinthians eight nine. Jesus, uh, who had everything, he gave up everything. He borrowed everything his whole life. Did you realize that? I mean, he was born in a borrowed feed trough, right? He, he rode into Jerusalem on a borrowed donkey, was buried in a borrowed tomb. He right. didn't have anything. They would say, where, are you, where do you stay? And he says, ah, son of man has nowhere to lay his head. I don't have any place. Everything he had was borrowed, though the Bible says he was rich, but he gave it up for you and me. He didn't just come to have a good time. He came on purpose to give up. So I'm asking you this morning. What have you really sacrificed for your gifts? Honest to goodness. Just answer that real quickly. What do we really give it? Because that's how you gauge things sometimes. The value of a thing is really not the money that it costs. But in the sacrifice that it takes to get it. I'll give you the example of the widow's mites. It wasn't in the two little pieces of pennies. Or whatever it was that she put in there. It was in the fact that she gave all that she had. The older we get. the the less I want in number and the more that I want in significance. And Jesus did both. The third thing that it cost him this morning was his privilege. You see, Jesus went from being the master creator of all things in practice to in practice being the servant of all. And there's an interesting thing about servants and their masters is that a servant has no privileges. A servant gets to do... Anybody got a job? Anybody got a job? When... Two of you. Good job. Uh, good <laughs> Next Wednesday night, we're going to have a job <laughs> fair. No, I'm kidding. Uh, when you're on the clock, do you just get to do whatever you want to do? Yeah. You, well, I mean, you might once or twice. The boss is probably going to have something to say about that because you've entered into an agreement to sell them your time, right? They, they call it trading time for money. It's no way to make a living. But we got to do it, right? As a master and a slave. The master has all the privileges. The slave has none. The master would eat first. The servant would eat last, right before they clean up. In our house, that's called the kids. Y'all didn't get that. Okay. (laughs) They do dishes. They do dishes in my house. Okay. The kids do the dishes. My mama cooks. Kids do dishes, and daddy helps back clean up if he has to. Right. (laughs) And uh, that's just the way it works. The master has one entrance into the house, and the servants would have to come into another. Y'all following me? Jesus, who was the master of everything, on purpose, gave up that privilege so he could become the, the, the servant and didn't get to do... And here's the weird thing. He could do whatever he wanted. He can do anything. And he chose not to. But he chose to be born, not in a palace, not in robes, but in a feed trough. for you and for me. And all of the stuff that he could have had, he gave up because he loved us. In Mark chapter 10 and verse 45, the Bible says, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Can I say something just be real bare-chested with you this morning? Too many of us in our modern Christian culture are worried about what we're being served with instead of what we can serve, Mm teenagers let me tell you something if you want to grow in the lord just do something for somebody else the bible says to, to consider others more highly than yourself the bible says to die to yourself daily constantly cuz here's the deal it ain't about you it ain't about me it ain't even about us it's about him and if you want to impact somebody's life and if if can I can I tell y'all something real radical y'all want to be radical y'all want to be something real crazy The Bible says we're supposed to love our enemies and do good to them. Our culture missed that. When I was growing up, we missed that. They taught me to be tough, which I have no problem with with toughness, all right? I have no problem with that, but I look in the scriptures and I see what did Jesus do. He didn't get all that tough. He did a couple times, but most of the time, he just did nice things for even people that hated him. You want to change the world? You want to change the culture around you? Just give of yourself to people who don't deserve it. And might even not like you. You do it anyway. Because that's what Jesus did. And in so doing he gave his life. We see in the Old Testament there was all these prophecies. And I'm going to jump through these a little bit quickly. So that we can know that Jesus came. And we knew that when he came. When the Messiah came. They missed him. Y'all realize that right? I mean they just. Some of them flat missed him. They didn't realize Jesus was the guy. But the Old Testament, they should have known because the Old Testament told them what was going to happen. And we knew it was going to be ugly. Isaiah chapter 7 and verse 14 we knew that it says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a son. A virgin will conceive, have a son, and name him Emmanuel. They knew that Mary was going to have, or whoever it was going to be, was going to have this baby, and she was going to be a virgin. We knew, they knew that it was going to be special. In Micah chapter 5 and verse 2, they knew it was going to be in Bethlehem. Because it says, in Bethlehem, Ephrathah, you are small among the clans of Judah. One will come from you to be ruler over Israel for me. His origin is from antiquity, from ancient times. And I I highlighted in my notes that word, you are small among the clans of Judah. Have y'all ever felt like you were insignificant? Anybody? I see a couple of heads bobbing. Like you just not cutting the mustard. I was the youngest of three boys. That was my life. And if I didn't think that, they told me, right? And uh, and so I look at that, and and he says, out of Bethlehem, Ephrata, you are small. And it's not even small amongst everybody, but you're small amongst the clans of Judah even, which is even smaller. You're insignificant. And he says he's going to be insignificant. And nobody has impacted the world like Jesus did from that insignificant, literally divided our calendar. (coughs) If you don't believe me, go check it out. In Isaiah chapter sixty-one and verse one and verse th- through verse three, it says, "The spirit of the Lord God is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor." Now we're going to run through. There's a bunch of things that Isaiah was saying. This Messiah, Jesus, this is what he's going to do. What does this have to do with the message? I want you to focus on what Jesus came for. He didn't just come for us to gather. He didn't just come to be born. He actually came so he could die. That was the whole point. I heard my, my brother Tim back there when he's teaching on how to how to see the kingdom of God. He was a, he's a Marine. And he talks about knowing the commander's intent. Anybody in the military in here? You got any military men in here? I got a couple? It's very important for you to understand the commander's intent when you get out in the field. Sometimes they don't care how you do it as long as the intent of the commander is fulfilled. That's kind of the way dads are, right? Just get the yard mowed, for goodness sake, right? I don't care if you do it this way or that way or in zigzags. Just cut the grass, right? Okay, you follow me. But Isaiah began to say, he said, The Spirit of the Lord is is upon me and anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me uh, to heal the brokenhearted. Anybody feel brokenhearted in the last year? I know some people who've had to say goodbye for the last time this year. To people who've been sick and other reasons, life still happened. And he said he came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to proclaim liberty to captives, freedom to prisoners, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of our God's vengeance, to comfort all who mourn. If you've ever mourned, you need comfort, do you not? That's why Jesus came. It says in verse 3 to provide to, for those who mourn in Zion, to give them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. Festive oil instead of mourning and splendid clothes instead of despair. And they will be called righteous trees planted by the Lord to glorify him. In Isaiah 53 and verse 4, the Bible says, Yet he himself bore our sicknesses, he carried our pain, but in we in turn regarded him as stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. Have you ever thought about the fact that people think about God or Jesus as being afflicted by God? Well, the Bible says it was good that I was afflicted. In our culture, we want to run away from suffering and trouble and hardship. And I'm not asking you to go out and seek it, but I can tell you when it comes your way, there's no need to be afraid. Because sometimes suffering and affliction is exactly what we need to get our minds and our hearts focused in the right place. Because when we have nothing, then we realize he's all we need, and then we feel like we've got everything. There's so much freedom. I was thinking this morning, I was talking with a brother about persecution. And I was thinking about the New Testament disciples. And, and, you know, Rome would say, you better stop. They would tell the disciples, I love this in Acts, they'd be, you got to stop preaching about Jesus or we're going to kill you. And they'd be like, all right, you kill me, I'm going to go home and be with Jesus. That's all right. Paul would say, to live is Christ, to die is gain. Oh, okay, well, we'll, we'll beat you up. We'll just, we won't kill you. We're going to torment you and torture you. And he's like, okay, to suffer, I get the fellowship and the sufferings of Christ. That's even better. I'm going to be just like him. They're like, we can't do anything to these cats. Now that's freedom. Leave me alone? Great. Torture me? Great. Kill me? Fine, I get to be with you. There's nothing, that's freedom. You think a big bank account gives you freedom? One of the most sad men I've ever known in my life was one of the most richest men I've ever met. His marriage failed, he lost, wound up losing his money, but he had money like crazy, drove nice cars, and he was miserable because his soul was empty this book says that jesus came to fix all that because you can be dead broke and be free and happy and joyful or you can be filthy rich and be happy and joyful too you can my wife always says she'd like to give that one a try (laughs) in psalm chapter 118 and verse 22 the bible says the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. Speaking of this resurrection. See Jesus didn't just come to be born. And frankly he didn't just come to die. He came to be resurrected. The Bible says that our hope. How many of you have been in church long enough to know that all we we, we, we do this. And, I'm, and it's not that it's wrong. But I'm going to complete it a little bit for you maybe. We focus on the cross. Jesus came to die. Jesus, our hope is in the cross right? Yes no? Y'all are scared to death that's not wrong but the Bible will tell us without the resurrection we are men most miserable because anybody can die only God can raise himself up from the dead Hallelujah. Muhammad died the Dalai Lama will die and Jesus died but Jesus got up and walked out and that's the good part he didn't just come to be born he didn't just come to die he came to be resurrected so that we can have good news as prisoners in this world, as captives, we can have hope. This has been a rough year, have y'all noticed? No. And, and yeah, and not just because people have been sick. I, I bet I bet your teenagers could tell you, because I guarantee you that they either themselves or their friends at school, have had our families, some families have really had a hard time financially this year, haven't we? Businesses have shut down. My favorite restaurant in Canton shut down buttermilks. I was sad about that. Okay? And and not just because I happen to like fried food, obviously. (laughs) But it was a small businessman. I got a heart for the small business. I mean the guy that's just trying to make a living. It's been hard in 2020. But you know what? The Bible says because of Jesus' birth, death, burial, and resurrection, we can lose it all and still have hope. They can take they can't take our joy. Everybody's like, oh, they're taking our freedoms. I hate it. I hope they don't. But you know what? That don't matter either. It doesn't matter. You want to talk about real freedom, go ask the people in Iran and China about how their churches are doing when they have to be underground because it's dangerous to be out in public. And their churches are thriving. They don't want it necessarily to be that way, I don't think, except for the fact that I've had missionaries from China at my mom and dad's church. When they went over there for furlough, they came back and they, the pe- they asked the people in China, what do y'all want me to have the American Christians pray for y'all? And, you know, and, and I've heard this from several different places. They, they said, please ask them to stop praying that our persecution will end. Sing, let that sink in. Tell them to stop praying that the persecution will end because it's the persecution that brought them close to Jesus, and they knew it. there's testimony coming out of the churches in Iran that said, we love the Western church. We love not just America, but the Western church. We love what y'all can do for us. It says, but things are just different here because they don't have places like this. If they share this this gospel of the scriptures, they can die. I read an article this morning of uh, people, uh, I forget what country it was in, but in the year 2020, I think 2,500 Christians were murdered in that one particular country. For their faith. We think we've got persecution. <laughs> we, we don't know. But if it comes. Jesus said I conquered all of that. We want to be like the apostle Paul. I got to move on. In Psalm 22 and verse 1. We have prophecy in the Old Testament that tells us says, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why are you so far from my deliverance and, far, and from my words of groaning? We see that on the cross where Jesus said, Lama, Lama, sab- uh, Eli, Eli, Lama, Sabachthani, why have you forsaken me? Why, God, have you? Jesus knew what it was like to be alone, but he didn't have to know that. Right. He did that on purpose. Raise your hand if you really love being alone. Every mother of a toddler, just raise your hand. I'm not one of those people. I hate being alone. I don't, I'm sure there's some psychological connection to something happening. I don't know why. I'm just not wired that way. I love to be around people. And it's just the way I am. Now, my wife, on the other hand, could live on an island, with or without me. <laughs> That's just the way she's wired. But Jesus, who in, we, we like to say eternity past, but really it's outside of the time, he, the Father, and the Holy Spirit, they exist. You know, there's a psalm that talks about he didn't want heaven without us, and that kind of indicates that there was they weren't quite happy with the way things were. That's not true. Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God were good. Everything was on the hundred. They were good, good to go. But his love for us was so great that he wanted you and I, and he was willing to come suffer to pay that price. I gotta jump ahead. What time is it? Oh my Lord. Okay, we gotta jump. Somebody told me before church that that's a lot to do in an hour. And I said, yeah, it's going to go fast, but it's not going fast enough. When we start talking about Christmas and what it costs, as you give a gift this week or as you receive a gift this week, I don't want you to focus on what it financially costs. I want it to be a reminder of what the real gift costs. Because there's a free gift of salvation for everybody. If you want it, you can have it. But it is the most expensive free gift ever. Because it cost Jesus everything. Now, he got it back. That's the great end of the story. He was exalted after his resurrection. To the right hand of the Father and was given the name that is above every name. And one day he's coming back. To take his church home. He's not coming back to take everybody who goes to church home. Did you hear that? He's not coming back to take everybody that goes to church home. He's coming back to take his bride home. And there's something about the bride that we see in the scriptures. And what we see in the scriptures is that when he comes, the bride will be ready. Adorned. Pure. Ready for him to pick up. Not playing in a mud hole out front. Not feeding the cows with poop all over. No. It's, the picture is, not that that's bad, I'm just saying, but the picture we have is that the bride's going to be ready for him. And I'm telling you, I think the bride's getting ready right now. I think part of this year is getting us ready. I think we're being shifted or, or sifted and shaken, and I sometimes that makes us a little afraid of what's coming. Does anybody... I like, to, I like to do this, and y'all, y'all will figure this out maybe, but have y'all had any moments of, I wanna say fear, but at least uncertainty in the last 12 months, 10 months? What in the world's gonna happen? What happens if this? If this happens, then what? If this happens, then what? We, we go through that, do we not? What happens if I lose my job? What happens, fill in the blank. What happens if I get the virus? Well, forget COVID. You can can play that game any year on the calendar. What happens if? And fear can come in. But in Luke chapter 2, I like the way it says in verse 10, the angel said to them, don't be afraid. For look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah. The Lord In Luke chapter 1 and verse 30, the Bible says the angel told her, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You understand the context of that? The angel was like, here's what's about to happen. That poor gal was absolutely terrified, I promise you. Can you imagine being a young teenage girl, 13, 14 years old maybe, at that particular time and culture, and the angel of God appears to you and says, You're about to have a baby. He probably didn't sound like that, but that's what he told her. And she knew her culture. She knew what was going to happen. Everybody was going to start talking about how she'd been sleeping around. Everybody, and and even Joseph was like, what am I going to do? I'm going to have to put her away privately because everybody's going to be disgraced. Nobody's going to believe this crazy story. Have you ever realized that what we believe is weird sounding? And it's okay, but it is to the world. It's foolishness to them. But he said, Don't be afraid. Verse 35. The angel replied, said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. In verse 37, for nothing will be impossible for God. She was like, Bro, there's no way this can happen. It's kind of like Abraham and Sarah. Hey, Abraham, you're gonna have a you're gonna have a son. He's like, yeah, okay. I'm old, my wife's barren. It ain't happening, Jack. I added that vernacular. (laughs) But if you've read the story, you know that's kind of what happened. And then they got this bright idea in that story that that God wasn't coming through quick enough so they could do it for him. Yeah, that didn't turn out real well. Yep. To to this day, the sons of Ishmael and the sons of Isaac are still fighting. But in Matthew chapter 1, the Bible says, But after he had considered these things, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid. To take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. See, at what we celebrate at Christmas time is simply this when everything is upside down. Everything is the worst it could possibly be. There's nothing left on the table. My son would say they left no crumbs. It was all upside down. Everything was bad, and the angels of the Lord said, Don't be afraid. This is the Messiah. So as you're looking at what Christmas cost as you think about the gifts that you give and the gifts that you receive I want to give you some things to remember that it cost Mary and Joseph the comforts of their home cost them a time of exile in Egypt Christmas cost uh, uh, the mothers we didn't get into this but the mothers in and around Bethlehem as as Herod murdered babies the birth of Jesus cost mothers grief babies their lives. You ever thought about that? Christmas cost the shepherds the complacency of their shepherd's life. They had to go to the manger. It cost the wise men a very long journey and some expensive gifts. It cost the apostles even in the early church persecution and death. It cost them big time because they kept telling this story. In more recent times it's caused missionaries suffering. It's caused people to be martyred But I would say more than that, it cost the father his own son. Christmas is expensive. But I'm so glad that he was willing to pay the price. Because you can't pay it. I can't pay it. Together we couldn't pay it. And that's why he had to come. That's why he was born. And he had to be born the way he was born. Or the prophecies wouldn't be right. He had to die the way that he died or the prophecies wouldn't be right. He had to be raised the way that he was raised or the prophecies wouldn't be right. But because all that happened and it is and it's true, then we have hope beyond all measure. And this morning, I want to tell you, as you celebrate Christmas. To remember that the birth, the advent of Jesus is just a beginning of the story. It's not the terminus. It's not the end. It's just the inkling of the beginning of a story. This thing that you and I are caught up in called the church, the kingdom of God, and the bride of Christ. If he hadn't come, there would be no story and we would all be doing something else today. So I want to tell you this morning that while the free gift of salvation is just that, it is as free as it gets. That doesn't mean that it didn't have a great cost. Stand with me this morning if you would please. Father we love you this morning. We are so thankful. Oh Lord we're so grateful for Jesus the, the hope of glory that we celebrate this week being born. Because without being born you could not die and without dying you could not be raised and without being raised we have no hope. I thank you that we celebrate step one in a great redemptive story least step one in this particular section of it. Father we want to lift up the name of Jesus this morning because if we do that all men will be drawn and Father we pray that men, women, boys and girls would understand and know that this season is not about the gifts that we give each other but they are symbols of the gift that you gave us I thank you for your love for your mercy and for your incredible sacrifice in Jesus may we live honorably and worthy of the calling As children of God. May we sacrifice ourselves and our wants and our passions and our desires as the doulos, as the servants of the Most High. God, may we bow before you today as servants of the Most High God. Do with us as you will. Point us where you'd have us go and help us to be obedient to your very word. Fill us with your spirit that we may know all truth. And Father, that we can follow you wherever you want us to be. We love you. We thank you. Thank you for being holy. Thank you for being good and being good to us. In Jesus' name.